No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that in the future the remnant of Israel will be saved, for God has loved her with an everlasting love. This gives us hope that our lost children will come home. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Jeremiah chapter 31 on Simply the Bible. There is something about a reunion that captures the heart. Maybe it is a favorite band who once broke up and then reunites for a tour. Or maybe it's a divorced couple who falls in love again and gets remarried. We naturally rejoice over such things. Now, the nation of Israel was divided during the reign of King Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, and it remained divided until the ten tribes of the northern kingdom, that is Israel or Ephraim, went into Assyrian captivity in 722 BC. Then these ten tribes were scattered throughout the nations, although the Assyrians also allowed some of them to remain in the land. But they intermarried with other peoples and adopted the worship of other gods so that they became known as Samaritans. That division between the Samaritans and the Jews of Judah continued until the time of Christ. But according to Jeremiah, there would be a time in the future when God would save the remnant of the ten tribes of Israel and they would be reunited with the two southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin. Jeremiah 31 looks forward to this great reunification. We continue in Jeremiah chapter 31. At the same time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness, Israel, when I went to give him rest. So God would in the future, bring Israel back. They endured the sword during the Assyrian captivity, but then found grace and rest in their wilderness time. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel." You shall again be adorned with your tambourines and shall go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. You shall yet plant vines on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and eat them as ordinary food. For there shall be a day when the watchman will cry on Mount Ephraim, Arise and let us go up to Zion to the Lord our God. I love this here. It says that I have loved you with an everlasting love. This is God's heart toward his rebellious ones. Now, who can fathom the infinite love of God? It was Paul's prayer for the Ephesians that they would be able to grasp and know the height, the depth, the length, and the width of God's love. He says that with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Now, this is always the way God works. He doesn't pressure us to follow him. He seeks to woo us with his loving kindness. And this was, of course, what God had done to the nation of Israel when they were still in the bondage of Egypt. God would do this same thing. He would draw his people back to himself. And they would be rebuilt. 
and they would be adorned with tambourines. Speaking of joy, they would dance joyfully as they would come again into the land and be restored. Then they would plant vines on the mountains of Samaria and they would worship at Mount Zion. Now, one of the problems with the division between the north and the south was that when King Jeroboam became king of the northern ten tribes, he would not allow the tribes to go back to Mount Zion, to Jerusalem, and worship the Lord. So he made two golden calves, one in Bethel and one in Dan, and that began idolatry. But in the future, they will worship in Jerusalem as one people. For thus says the Lord, sing with gladness for Jacob and shout among the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the ends of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the woman with child and the one who labors with child together. A great throng shall return there. They shall come with weeping and with supplications. I will lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. And Jeremiah said that in the future, God would gather them from the ends of the earth. Now, this could not be speaking of the return from Babylonian captivity because that was just primarily uh, the tribe of Judah coming back into the land. But God in the future would gather Israel, the 10 tribes, from all the ends of the earth. Then they shall come with weeping and supplications. Why weeping? Because they will be repentant over the fact that they've turned from God. And God says, I am a father to Israel. He considered the nation to be his son. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. I think we could say this about all of us, the fact that God has redeemed us from our sin, from the power of the devil, the one who is stronger than us, and made us his children. That's something that we should always rejoice about. Therefore, they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and new wine and oil, for the young of the flock and the herd. Their souls shall be like a well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more at all. This speaks of just this future abundance and prosperity of material as well as spiritual blessings. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together, for I will turn their mourning to joy, will comfort them and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. It's interesting how much God says, I will do these things. God will be the one to restore them. I will satiate the soul of the priests with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. It was so tragic when they turned away from the fountain of living water and sought to build for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that could hold no water. And they did this by turning away from the goodness of God and chasing after idols. But in that day, they will be fully satisfied with God's goodness. Thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel 
weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Now, Ramah was where the Jews were gathered before being deported to Babylon. Rachel had two children, Joseph and Benjamin. Joseph was the father of Ephraim and Manasseh. The 10 tribes of Israel, including the two tribes from Joseph, went into Assyrian captivity in 722 BC. The two tribes of Judah, including the tribe of Benjamin, went into captivity in 586 BC. So Jeremiah pictures Rachel as though she is weeping for both of her children, Joseph and Benjamin, whose descendants had been driven from the land. Rachel died giving birth to Benjamin, her second son, but it it seems that her labor had all been in vain because they were all deported. Now, Matthew, in his gospel, applied this verse to King Herod the Great's massacre of the male babies in Bethlehem. As mothers during the time of Jeremiah would weep as they saw their children being deported into Babylon, so mothers wept in Bethlehem when their children were slaughtered and no more. Verse 16, thus says the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. So I think this is still referring to Rachel not weeping anymore, but being glad because her labor was not in vain after all, because God will bring her children back home, back into the land of promise, and they will return from the land of the enemy. So there would be hope in the future. And I see in this just the hope that we have for our children that have been wayward. Listen, God has a great heart to bring them back, and that's why we should continue to pray for them until they come home. Verse 18, I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. You have chastised me, and I was chastised like an untrained bull. Restore me, and I will return, for you are the Lord my God. Surely after my turning, I repented, and after I was instructed, I struck myself on the thigh. I was ashamed, yes, even humiliated, because I bore the reproach of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? For though I spoke against him, I earnestly remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, says the Lord. And so Ephraim bemoaning what he had done, how he turned from God, had worshiped other idols, but yet would return to the Lord and repent. And God said, though I spoke against him at one time, I will remember him still. Set up signposts, make landmarks, set your heart toward the highway, the way in which you went. Turn back, O virgin of Israel, turn back to these, your cities. How long will you gad about, O you backsliding daughter? For the Lord has created a new thing in the earth, a woman shall encompass a man." So even as Judah was going into Babylonian captivity, Jeremiah was saying, set up signposts and landmarks so that you can find your way back because you're coming back here, you know, in 70 years. Now, verse 22, where it says a woman shall encompass a man is probably the most difficult 
phrase in Jeremiah to interpret, and there are many different opinions. I believe the contrast is between the backsliding daughter or unfaithful wife and the virgin bride who is in love with her husband. Whereas before Israel was unfaithful, God would do a new thing so that she would encompass a man. In that culture, it was improper for a woman to pursue a man, but in the future, Israel would pursue the Lord as her husband. You could say that she will be all over him. Now, there are those who see in this a reference to the incarnation of Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God humbled himself to become a human embryo in the womb of a virgin. Mary literally encompassed the Son of God and gave birth to him. And through the incarnation, God became what we are in order to make us what he is. I cannot disagree with that interpretation. This prophecy in Jeremiah was given during the dark days of Judah when Nebuchadnezzar was outside the city walls of Jerusalem and would soon destroy the city. Yet there is great joy in the future hope of reunification of Israel and Judah and restoration in her relationship with God. God gathers those who are wayward and scattered and rejoices greatly to do it. That should give us much hope and confidence as we pray for our wayward children to come home. We anticipate the day when we will kill the fatted calf and have a great celebration. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at office at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and please leave us a review. Tomorrow we will return to the book of 2 Chronicles, when King Abijah of Judah goes to war against Jeroboam of Israel. When Jeroboam sets an ambush, Abijah cries out to the Lord. We hope you'll join us as we continue teaching through God's Word on Simply the Bible.